How's it going, everybody? I don't know if this is this is weird. I'm sick. So be nice to me. Uh, <laughs> you're a smartass. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm talking tonight, and uh, it's an emo message. <laughs> Sorry. It is a downer. Uh, the passage I have tonight is very, is bleak. Um, I really like it, which is interesting. Uh, I don't know if Leonor is here. She's going to be bummed because she thinks I'm negative all the time. I am a pessimist, but uh, sorry. Uh, my name is Jesse. I work here. I work for Scum, but Scum's not really here. We're kind of over there, but we're displaced here. But right now we're here, so yeah, I work here. Um, yeah, if I'm going to say anything smart, if I'm going to say anything useful to any of us tonight, um, I really need to pray, and I need you guys to pray with me. So if I say anything that you think is a good idea, say, yeah, God. Jesus, thanks for this day. Um, there are good things that have happened today, and there's bad things that have happened today. Uh, right now, I pray it's good. Um, and th this this passage, this this thing that was said two thousand years ago, it's kind of rough. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of a downer, but I pray that you would um, nail us down, that you would uh, make us stronger and smarter. Um, let us let us hear things that we couldn't hear if your spirit wasn't here, um, and let me say things that I couldn't say if your spirit wasn't here. So. We all love you a lot. Amen. Um, the one thing uh, that is cool is it's definitely a scum passage. I think I think Jesus woke up the morning that he, he gave this and said, I'm going to tell that vineyard passage for scum today. Pretty sure he knew he knew we were in the path of this of this parable that that's going to be spoken. Because, um, yeah. It's for weirdos. It's for the outcasts. It's for the rejects. And that's all of you guys. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, Scum was kind of started for the outcasts, for the left out, right brain. We've, we've tried, tried to have, you know, clever ways of describing it. You know, we were all picked last for kickball or we all hated high school or something clever to describe our unity. Um, but it's a big deal. This is very important to me because, yeah, I was I was of the freakiest and the geekiest uh, growing up. Um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I want to say thank you to Leonor and Deva. I, I don't know if there's anybody else in that living room that scum got started in. She's not here, is she? No. I was just, yeah, thank you. She is in the morning. Melanie is in the morning. And... Thank you. From the bottom of my heart, from the bottom of my soul, thank you for this family. This is a big deal. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to start out with a loser story. Um, this is back in college, uh, about, this is, which was about 15 years ago. And uh, it was in Montana, Bozeman, Montana State University. And, uh, yeah, back then punk wasn't totally cool yet. It's really cool now. Like, you know, people don't really stare at me anymore. 
But back then, people stared at me. And, you know, like if people, if like a lady was coming at me, she would, uh, you know, move her purse to the other shoulder away from me. Like, that was the state of things. Like, that's actually how it was. I was, I swear, I was a really nice guy, but like, punk was still kind of weird and, and freaky. And, um, and I don't know, I think it was just, it had to be just small town Montana, but, uh, there were no she freaks. There was no punk rock girls. We listened to, uh, you know, the queer song and the, and the, uh, descendant song and like, oh, there's gotta be punk rock girls somewhere. They're not here. <laughs> yes, we, uh, yeah. The only girls that would stare at me were to, stare at me. <laughs> it's like, oh, he's a spectacle. Um, and it was, yeah, it was kind of romantically uh, dead for, for all of my college career. And then I met Kelly. Kelly, oh, she was great. She, I met her in a class, and uh, she was sassy, and she was, she was funny, and she was cute, cute, cute. And, yeah, she talked to me, and she flirted with me, and we went out for lunch a couple times, and eventually I was like, Kelly, there's a show. You want to go? Like, I was asking her on a date, and she's like, no. I was like, what? <laughs> I am not picking up that signal. So, okay, so let's just let's keep going. More flirting, more talking, more lunches, and I ask her again, no. <laughs> Oh, man, what is going on? This continued. I asked her out. I don't know how many times I asked Kelly out, and I don't know, but she said no the exact same amount of times as I asked her out. <laughs> um, finally, one day, I was like, Kelly, what is up? What is going on? And she, she answered me. I was like, well, yeah, I am into you. I I really actually like you and think you're cool, uh, but you're a Christian, right? Okay, <laughs> pause the story. I was. I was a new Christian, and uh, but, you know, I was a new Christian, and I was like, the word Christian was still a bad word to me, and I was still doing my best to avoid the church thing, and so, yeah, you can imagine what was going through my head. It's like, Kind of. <laughs> you know, I was like, no one, oh, I didn't want to be called a Christian. But she said, okay, well, so you wouldn't sleep with me, right? Because that's like a really big deal to me. Oh, man, if I, if I had a narrator, like, for my life, he would have had something hilarious to say at that point. Oh man, the, 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 whatever romantic tension I had built up in my life for years, from years of being the weirdo, or one of the weirdos, like, they just came unraveled. Those ropes of romantic tension with Kelly, just like, oh. Pfft. And I just, yeah, me and, me and Kelly progressed on as buds. You know, she did go to shows, but not with me. She went with other, I saw her date other punk rockers and other skaters and, uh, and me. I was, I was dateless for years after that. And years before that, I mean, I felt like this, like, romantic rock by myself in the desert. <laughs> it sucked. 
I was like, man, that was like, it felt at that time like it was my one shot, one shot at a, a re- exclusive relationship with a female. But eventually, I, my, uh, my friend, Jessie Maud, she actually let me kiss her. And uh, she, she let me take her out on a couple of dates. And, uh, and when I asked her to marry her, to marry me, she, she said, are you serious? And I thought I was shot down again. <laughs> but then just a few seconds later, she said yes. And now we're, we're making babies like it's going out of style. So it worked out for me. <clears throat> Could have been worse. <laughs> So it did work out, but in those in those dateless years, like after Kelly and before Kelly, I was pissed. I was over it, like a rejection. And I and don't think I wasn't trying. I tried like hell to get a date. Oh man, so many people that thought I was fun and amusing got to know me. It's like, oh, you're so interesting, Jesse. <laughs> Just don't ask me out. Um, I don't know. What you gonna do? Now, yeah, that's that's kind of a rejection setup for what's going on tonight. Um, so some timeline of of what we've been going through. Uh, this is kind of at the end of Jesus' natural life, um, where we are tonight, Mark twelve, and um, well, yeah, just for the past past few days, he's kind of been commuting. To, to Jerusalem. He's gotten close to Jerusalem, which is where he's going to die. And uh, first day, his first day in was um, coming in on the donkey, on the, the borrowed donkey, you know, that, and that was Josh's sermon. Uh, but then he went back out in the suburb that night, Bethany. And then the next day, he went in and he totally messed up the temple. Remember, he flipped all the tables and scattered, made a mess. And then he ran back to, the, ran back to Bethany, the suburb. <laughs> It's kind of funny. Like, he comes in, makes a mess, and then runs away. It's kind of interesting. Um, but they wanted to kill him, so you can understand why he'd want to run away. But uh, today, the, the passage today is actually right after Mike's sermon last week, which was the, the chief priests and the elders and uh, the scribes. They were saying, what is the meaning of this? After, you know, because the day before, they'd messed up, he'd messed up their temple. And and so yeah, J- um, Mike talked about that last week, and this is like seconds after uh, what Mike talked about. So it's the kind of the it's the same setup. Like he's like squared off. Jesus is squared off with with the the brass, the religious brass, and right in the middle of this crowd, and there's a crowd around him. So I'm going to read you the guys the passage uh, with that setup, and um, imagine you know trying I don't know close your eyes whatever you got to do, but like kind of imagine trying to be there listening to the to this for the first time. All right? So, yeah. Here it goes. And he began to speak to them in parables. Hey, Ben. Um, a man planted a vineyard and built a wall around it and dug a vat under the wine press and built a tower and rented it out to vine growers and went on a journey. All right. At the harvest time, he sent a slave to the vine growers in order to receive some of the produce from the vineyard from the vine growers. They took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. 
okay. Again, he sent them another slave, and they wounded him in the head, treated him shamefully. And he sent another, and that one they killed. And so with many others, beating some and killing others. He had one more to send, a son. He sent him last of all to them, saying, they will respect my son. But those vine growers said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him. And the, the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner do? He will come and destroy the vine growers and give the vineyard to others. Have you not even heard this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And they were seeking to seize him, and yet they feared the people, for they understood that he spoke the parable against them. And so they left him and went away. All right. I think this is a, this is a straightforward passage. I, I mean, it keeps my attention maybe better than, than some other scripture. Dare I admit it? It's like, oh, that's an interesting story. Um, this guy... The, Guy builds a ready-to-go vineyard, rents it to some guys, and takes off. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and then he obviously has some some rights to some of the the produce or the the what is made from the vineyard, and so he sends a guy to collect it, and they beat him. He sends another one, and they embarrass him. He sends another one, and they kill him. And he sends a whole bunch of other ones, and they're either getting beaten or killed. Ah, kind of abrupt. What's the conflict in this story? Well, these bastards are just beating up and killing everybody. It's, 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 I mean, I don't know. I could tell Jesus a couple, you know, literary pointers. You know, maybe build the conflict up a little bit. but Let's get there a little bit slower. You kind of punch us in the face. <laughs> Dang. To make the to make it kind of more shocking, he starts out the the, the whole the setup the, the the vineyard being built and the and uh, is act, I mean the first two ver- uh, two verses one verse uh, two verses are pretty much verbatim out of Isaiah five, like and so the crowd and the and the scribes and the the people there are are going to know this. They're like, "Oh yeah, I know this. You know, you've heard it, you know, told around the campfire or, you know, by the most proximal rabbi or something. You've heard this story before." And you're like, "Oh yeah. I know this story." And then they get beaten and killed and robbed. I mean, yeah. You can imagine like the the crowd's like, "Oh my gosh, did we wander into the wrong, wrong theater at the Temple Plex?" I mean, you can see, like, them listen to the story, and then, oh, my gosh, cover the kid's ears. Don't, th- this is not how it goes. Jesus, what are you saying? <laughs> this is kind of abrupt and, and not, not too happy. So, yeah, let me, let me unpack this a little bit. What's going on? Um. Yeah, it becomes obvious at the end, and it, and like it actually says so that the 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 leaders, the the Jewish brash there, are saying, "Oh, I think we just got burned. Let's leave." They got it. Um, 
they understood that Jesus was saying, you guys basically reject whoever God sends you. And this is, this is popular wisdom at, in first century Jer- Jerusalem. If you're a prophet from God, you're going to be rejected and probably martyred. That was just their kind of assumption about people sent from God. And so, yeah, what's illustrated is like, yeah, God makes this religious and supernatural, spiritual, wonderful family thing that's ready to go and says, okay, guys, don't mess it up. (laughs) And then he expects some fruit. God wants some fruit out of this thing, but he sends some people to, you know, get it to say, hey, what's going on? And people just reject him. This is how it's gone for for hundreds of years. God sends prophets to Israel and yeah, they get beaten and they get stoned and embarrassed. So everybody's like, you know, you can imagine the crowd. I was like, yeah, (laughs) those bad old people in charge. And the people in charge are like, oh, crap, let's get out of here. So, yeah, I'm going to say it. To sum this up, God's saying, okay, I'm sending you people, people to, to talk to you, and you're rejecting them. And I don't think it, it even needs the, the, that paraphrase. I think we can just, just quote Jesus, and he's quoting uh, Psalm 118, when he says, The stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. This is summarizing everything that he's just said. This is, this is what he wants to get across in this parable. The stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. Like I said, this is, uh, this is quoting uh, Psalm 118, which is actually quoted just a few days before by the people. Like when, when he was riding in on the borrowed donkey, um, yeah, they were welcoming him with Psalm 118. And so they were getting, yeah, Psalm 118, it's a good one. And then he whips this part out of it, and you're like, oh, gnarly. But yeah, this is the passage I got tonight. See how it's kind of a downer? Like, who does this end well for, this parable? Not really anybody, from what I can say. I can see you're, you either get beaten or embarrassed, or you lose a bunch of employees and your son, or you get destroyed. Okay, the winner is nobody. Oh, man. But this is what God is saying to us tonight. Mike, in his wisdom, has given me this passage. And I want to I speak this to you. I want to share this with you. And going over this, pouring this over, pouring over this for a couple weeks, there are good things. Quote, unquote. <laughs> good. It's hard. That's a hard word to define sometimes. But everybody listen to me. Read this. I'm going to read this a couple more times. And see how it hits you. See how you hear it. See how it hits your heart how it hits your life, how it hits your head. 
the stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. The stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. Do you feel, do you kind of identify with maybe the reject? You're like, yeah. People shut me down all the time. And I'm not that stupid. Maybe you feel like the rejecter. Like, oh, yeah, I've done that before. Have you ever shot somebody down? Some new guy to the conversation that was distracting people from your brilliance? Maybe, you know, some, some kid that was onto something, but it was going to kind of unseat you or distract people from you. I'm, I'll, I'm almost positive I've eventually done something like that. Maybe scum staff. Scum council. Scum progerian. Have we... I, have we ever shut anybody down? Some upstart, but righteous upstart, have we ever said no to them? Because, you know, that'll make things unpredictable. Push somebody aside because of like, oh, that is not in the schedule. Hmm. I'm actually not going to talk too much about that because uh, I'm just going to assume that uh, staff, leaders, you're going to think about that. You (laughs) are going to think about that and look for conviction and repent. Knock that stuff off if you do find that conviction. No, yeah, what I want to talk about is the reject part. Because by now, I'm 33, and (laughs) I've had a great time being a reject. Oh, man, did it suck in junior high and high school. Brothers and sisters, are you with me? (laughs) Holy crap. (laughs) Can can anybody, like, I I thought about this. It it just would have been out of control. But it would have been fun to, like, share our stories. Like, do you remember when you were first rejected? (laughs) Um. I'm going to tell you mine, just because I have the microphone. Um, it was seventh grade. You know, it, we didn't have middle school. We had junior high, and and seventh grade was was the introduction. To, you know, it was bigger. There was more. All the a bunch of elementary schools combined, and everybody's trying to find their position. And I definitely was already a little bit weird, and you know, thought for myself some, which was kind of charming and interesting in grade school, but. Yeah, junior high figured out that's just, you know, how you be a freak. Um, I, I, it, was in, it was in study hall or something like that, and I'm sure I was actually doing something weird. I think I was reading stuff on the wall. Maybe I might have been talking to myself. But um, Todd Brinkman was in there, and Todd Brinkman, he was kind of a freak himself. Um, he, was, he, he had a curled up back, and he was super short. Um, but man, did he have a mouth. Holy crap. He could talk circles around anybody. And um, yeah, yeah. Immediately he's like, he just stares at me. He's like, you're weird. And 
a girl who is really trying to flirt with him, like, just busts out laughing. <laughs> I was like, and it's over. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't know what, I don't know, like, I don't know if that spread through the school, but, like, it just got worse and worse after that. Like, the guy next to me, John Moran, uh, the guy who had a, a, a locker next to me. So hilarious now. <laughs> but he, anytime, like, he came up to me with, with my locker open, he would, you know, slam my, my locker shut. And, and it happened a few times, and eventually he's like, no, I don't want to do that. So he'd, uh. He just slam it, and I put my leg in there, and he just slamming it, slamming it, slamming it. So I was like, "Ow!" And then, there, and then there was one time. Well, no, there was a few times where he slammed it so hard that um, it got my leg stuck, like it latched at the top, <laughs> but not at the bottom because my leg was in there. And so I was like doing the combination, like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> Open this thing up now! Oh man, yeah. <laughs> Freaks and geeks, I love you guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, funny now. Um, definitely not funny then. I had some pretty dark years um, in high school, and it was hard to hold on there for a while. Well, punk rockism definitely, you know, helped me find a voice and like, oh, let's be freaks on purpose. Like, yeah, let's say, let's point out what's wrong with the world. I'm like, yeah. So that worked out great. Punk rockers were the coolest people to me ever. And I think you, ah, oh, man, Barry Thompson and Clay Cool and, oh, man, there's some really good guys in the punk rock scene that, that stooped down and helped me out. And that was great. Um, but even that, I still, I still was weird and I, I still get rejected. Like I was fired from my last ministry job because <laughs> all these people, people like you guys, <laughs> freaks and geeks at, 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 um, at college would just start hanging out with me and, and the people in charge, my bosses were like, well, let's have some normal kids too. It's like, uh, I'm trying, man. <laughs> And I was. I was trying to reach out to everybody, but like, you know, when you're rejected and you're pushed to the side so often, you want a family. It's like, I want somebody else that got pushed around. That's somebody else that got rejected. And those are the people that came to me, and those are some of the most amazing people I've ever met. Brothers and sisters, I am so glad to be part of you, part of this family. You guys understand some stuff that most of the world, 90% of the world won't ever figure out. And you're, you have been and you will be rejected for it. Thank you. Thank you for being rejected with me. Let's move on here some. So, what does he say after this? He says, oh, I better not screw it up. I don't have it on that piece of paper. Well, it's right behind me. 
the Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Which is kind of, I mean, it's continuing in the Psalm 118 quote. And so, there's a couple implications here. Okay, the Lord did this. Like, okay, what part? <laughs> the part where we're, where your people get rejected a lot? Or the make them the chief cornerstone, the really cool part? Or all of it? I think he did all of it. Even the rejected gnarly part. I think that it qualifies you guys. Because you guys have been pushed around and rejected, you guys get more stuff. There's things that you understand because you've been pushed around. And Jesus did that on purpose. I mean, I did have questions. You know, like, the, the vineyard guy, the guy that owns the vineyard, you know, sends a guy and he gets beaten and sent back. I was like, oh. So you presume he sends a bigger guy the second time. <laughs> but even that guy gets like bashed in the head and, and embarrassed. And you're like, oh. Sends another guy and you're like, wow, he's, he's stubborn. And this guy gets killed. At that point, you're kind of like, okay, change a plan. How else are we going to do this? But no, the vineyard owner sends many more, and they're either beaten or killed. Do you, I, the question goes through my mind. It's like, is this the best plan? This is not working. Is this good for anybody? I don't know. It's hard. And then it goes a step further. It's like, okay. I know who they'll listen to, my only son. Like, no, dude, no, no, don't do that. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, dude, that's a bad idea. Do you see what happened to the other guys? Uh, don't do it. <laughs> uh, hey, Simon, can you get the, there's some um, Kleenex in that room. Can you grab those for me? I'd appreciate that. Thanks. Um, oh, sweet. Simon, there's some up here. Thanks, David. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, son goes, and he gets killed, and they just throw his body away, which is, like, big-time insult. I mean, like, slap in the face. Now, the... Not a garbage can. Um, what's preceding the the killing of the son is also pretty hilarious. I mean, it makes me ask. I mean, wonder what's going on. Like the the guys, the renters, the the less lessors, lessees, lessees. Um, the guys leasing the the vineyard. They're like, oh, here comes the heir, his only son. The the guy is going to get this. If we kill him, the inheritance will be ours. I mean, pause for laughter. I mean, like, really? Okay, yeah, you're going to kill this guy's son, and then, oh, yeah, he'll just give you the vineyard after that. I don't know if they think they steal it or 
Yeah, they think he's just going to like, oh, give up then? And like, okay, I'm done. That I don't understand that part of the story either. I was like, man, you guys are stupid. And then, yeah, uh, then the, the owner of the vineyard uh, destroys them, gives the vineyard to somebody else. He's like, okay, couldn't we have done that like a dozen guys ago? And before your son died. I tell you what, like, do you guys ever disagree with scripture? I do. Sometimes I'm like, whoa, God. I don't know if that was the best way to do that. And I'm like, these are open conversations. Like, I'm not like, okay, God, we just have to agree to disagree here. No, no, I'm still having the conversation with God. And he's definitely proved me wrong in some of those disagreements I've had. But there's some that are going going on still. And it makes God so interesting to have those disagreements with him and to, to converse with him and really wrestles with Scripture. Like, But right here is kind of one of those points. It is marvelous in our eyes. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Could there have been a way for Jesus to do what he did without dying? I mean, you're God of everything. Could you have done that and saved a couple prophets' lives? I mean, Zechariah was stoned and Jeremiah was uh, beaten and embarrassed. Um, and just like a year or two before John the, ba- John the Baptist was beheaded. Ugly. But couldn't we have done something to, you know, save those guys? I don't know. Marvelous? Really? This was a hard, that was a hard thing. God, you did this. You just said it. The Lord has done this. But then I was thinking, and I want to pose this question to you. My fellow weirdos, would you have it any other way? I, for my life, that's what I'm asking. I don't know. I, I really kind of like being weird. I like being interesting. I like being different. Every, every once in a while. I'll put something on and and get stared at, you know, at McDonald's or something like, yeah, I still got it. <laughs> yes. Boo. <laughs> oh, man, I don't know if that's the best attitude to have or not, but <laughs> it's kind of fun. Um, I've had amazing experiences and experiences which were awesome because of a different path that I took. But far outweighing that is the people I've met. People that have also been rejected, been outcasts. You guys, my family here. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine giving you guys up. Like before, like when I when I first became a Christian, I was like, oh man, 
totally falling in love with Jesus and what it, what he what he said and and God and like I was like, but church? I don't know about church. I was not excited about church. I didn't want to go to church, and I didn't know that party that that heaven was going to be that great of a party, judging from the Christians that I knew at the time. <laughs> but oh, when I first came to Scum, I was like, oh yeah. I'm sure it'll be a really big party, but I want to be around those guys. <laughs> that particular party in heaven. You guys are going to be fun. You guys are going to be loud. <laughs> it is, that is marvelous in my eyes. You guys are marvelous in my eyes. Brothers and sisters, and, and when I say brothers and sisters, like, yes, spiritually, family of God, yes. But even if you're not, if you haven't signed up for the Christianity thing yet, like, brothers and sisters in life, in this very difficult thing called life. Oh, man, just putting up with this gives us some sort of brotherhood. And so I'm going to claim that. So brothers and sisters, people reject you because of some something that's different about you that, you that you can't change it's just how you think hear god say tonight you're right i like that about you when you stay behind to love someone and everybody else takes off hear god say tonight you're right When because of your beliefs they call you you poor, deluded, dumb bastard, <laughs> hear Jesus say that you're right. You are right, and I am going to build something out of you. You are a cornerstone. The scripture is prophetic about Jesus, but like Jesus himself like states it at the end of this parallel, uh, parable and illustration and summation of the history of his prophets and his people. So I'm going to take a cue from him and apply it to you. You are right. And what he is building out of you guys is marvelous. He doesn't say that we might, we might not even get to see it. It's it's kind of the artist like you're not nobody no, understands you or thinks you're that great until you're dead. We don't get any real promise of what's going to happen, or what actually we're supposed to do. This is definitely kind of a who passage. Rejects, yes, fist in the air, but he doesn't tell us what to do. Stay tuned. Mark twelve like goes into that. The owner of the vineyard is looking for some fruit. And he's going to get to that in, in the coming weeks. So pay attention in the, to the next few sermons. But tonight, it's about who you guys are. And that's awesome. You are right. You are good and you are marvelous. One thing that I, one of the things that I want you guys to pull away from, from this tonight is a call to each other. Basically, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I titled this sermon, You're Going to Die, Loser. <laughs> because, yeah, this is, 
a fire trucking tragedy. This is not a comedy. This is a downer. Like, not much to look forward to in this. You guys need each other. I need you guys. So realize that call. Say often, you're rad. I'm glad you're around. Seriously. Can't be said, can't be said enough. Because you guys are rad. And you're right. And you get it. You get stuff that the rest of the church might not ever get. That the rest of society, oh my gosh, the rest of North America might not ever get. I've got, there's some other notes I have, but like, I think I need to end there. I want you guys to be committed to each other. Sign up for a small group. Don't, you don't have to sign up for a small group. Just show up to a small group and determine yourself to be the smiliest person there, to be the most encouraging person there. Get people ready to go out and be the weirdo at work. And, uh, and I guess in closing, thank you guys. Thank you for being my family. I love you guys a lot. Peace.